Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. Anne's Sunday service. Whether you're normally a regular at St. Anne's or have only recently started to join us online, it's great to have you with us this morning. And it's our prayer that you'd be encouraged and blessed by your time with us as we sing God's praises, as we listen to God's word, and as we pray to him together as well. Now, you're probably aware from the Prime Minister's statement last Sunday that there have been some easings of the restrictions here in England. We can now get a bit more exercise outside and some workplaces have reopened. Schools are due to begin a gradual restart in June, if all goes well, and churches gathering for worship will be in the phase after schools, which will be July at the earliest. Now, of course, when we do meet again, there will still be limits as to what we can and can't do. Uh, But as we become aware of them, we'll let you know in good time to help you with your expectations. Now, July still feels like a long way off, so some good news in the meantime. Our builders have been allowed to re-enter our church building this week after a long pause. They're now busy again with the Space to Grow reordering project and work is going well so far. In fact, I think it's just the new wooden floor that's the last main thing for them to finish. We also had 300 comfy seats delivered before the lockdown and the work should finish in a few weeks, ready for us when we can re-enter. So that'll make meeting again at St Anne's all the more special. Now, just to remind you about some events coming this week, some things are still going on. On Wednesday, our reflection, which will be posted online from about eight o'clock in the morning and then you can watch that whenever you want. On Thursday, the St Anne Stars toddler group, that's going to be meeting again at half past ten for singing and the story. On Saturday, we'll be having our weekly pub quiz on Zoom and that begins at eight o'clock in the evening. And of course, Sundays, it's the service at half ten, which you're listening to at the moment. Now, after this service, we're having a virtual tea and coffee time on Zoom. It's always lovely to see many of you and hear how your week's been. The login details will appear on this screen and if you have any problems, contact me or Ian, but hopefully um, it'll be fine just logging in with the details, the password and the login details. Now, as we begin our service, let's take a moment to be still and I'll lead us in an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to meet you this morning, We pray that you would be at work. Please would you settle our hearts from all the concerns that we have. Please would you warm our hearts with love for you. And please, Father, would you prepare us so that we may live and work for you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we begin, I'd like to read for us Psalm 121. Psalm 121, it's entitled A Song of Ascents, and the writer uh, writes this. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now 
and forevermore. Now, it's a bit hard, isn't it, to see mountains from Egberth? I guess if you head to the prom on a clear day and gaze across the Mersey, you might just make out some Welsh mountains beyond the Wirral. But there's something about standing at the foot of high mountains and gazing at them. So we have to lift our eyes up, don't we? Up above ourselves and everything else around us. It gives us a different perspective rather than focusing on what we're surrounded by. We see what is beyond and what's above us. It puts things into perspective. For other things begin to seem that bit smaller. Well, Psalm 121 does that as well. See, looking up at mountains is a teeny bit like looking up at God. He's the one from whom our help comes from. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He doesn't get tired or sleepy. I see, because of these things, he's able to help us. In fact, he created everything, even what we're afraid of. So again, God is able to help us. And here's the best bit. God isn't just able, God is also willing. Verses 7 and 8 again. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. What a wonderful God we serve. Even though difficult things may occur to us in our lives, God promises to care for us and to look after us. I'm going to hand over to Val Rushton now and she's going to share with us how God has been at work in her life. Over to you Val, thanks. Hi, for those that don't know me, my name's Val and I've been worshipping at St Anne's for two years since I moved back to Liverpool from Dorset. I was born in Yorkshire but brought up near London in a Christian family with my sister and my brother attending the local church So in many ways, my story is not of a dramatic conversion, but it was at a two-week youth camp, a holiday at Lee Abbey in Devon, where the atmosphere of love and the Holy Spirit impacted me hugely. And I committed my life to Jesus in that camp field when I was 16. I came up to Liverpool when I was 18 to study zoology at the university. I instantly fell in love with the city. Initially, I became involved with the Christian Union and a church, but gradually the attractions of uni life or the social life and parties took over. And though I'd never lost my faith, it was very much pushed to the edges of my life. To cut a long story short, I completed my degree and my PGCE, and I started my career as a biology teacher on the Wirral. I met and married my husband and was really happy. I loved children and I'd always longed for a family, but After several years of trying, I was diagnosed with very severe endometriosis and this dream was unlikely to be fulfilled. During this time, we'd moved to Dorset and I continued hoping, but becoming more discouraged with each month passing month. However, two years later, I feel miraculously, I became pregnant and my son was born. The consultant I'd been seeing said he thought I became pregnant despite the treatment rather than because of it. I later found out that my sister had been praying every day for me. I thought my joy was complete. I had a loving husband, a beautiful son, a sabbatical from teaching and hopefully more babies. When when my son was two and a half, I fell pregnant again 
and I was delighted. But at 29 weeks, my daughter was still born. And four months later, I discovered my husband was having an affair. And a few months after that, he left us. My world fell apart, but I now realised that Jesus had never left me, though I distanced myself from his voice. Some rugby club friends had invited us to their lovely church a few months previously, and I'd become a regular attender. The pastor's wife was there for me throughout those awful months, and in my grief I prayed like never before. After a sermon series on um, Joseph about forgiveness, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me I had to actively forgive my husband and his partner. When I prayed that prayer, the most unbelievable peace came over me. A feeling of joy bubbled up and I found a freedom that had evaded me for years. That was nearly 30 years ago and I could talk at great length about God's amazing provision for my son and I throughout those years. Homes, jobs, holidays, a great relationship not just with my son but now also with my ex-husband and his new family. I could not have done any of that in my own strength. I have tried to underpin everything with prayer and to listen to the Spirit's whisperings and gut feelings, which over and over again have been perfectly timed, often in retrospect, although at the time seeming far too slow or even unanswered because I was always impatient for instant answers. This nine-week lockdown has been frustrating at times as I'm used to being out and about every day and meeting friends, yet here I am at home on my own. However, the opportunity to reflect, pray, read and listen to all the amazing online resources has been rejuvenating and just reinforces the inner peace and hope that Jesus has brought me over the years and I know he will continue to do so. On that note, this quote, which I actually discovered was by Muhammad Ali when I googled it, but seems very apt at this time. So I leave you with this thought. Don't count the days, make the days count. Thank you, Val, for sharing all of that with us. It's a great encouragement for all of us to hear how the Lord Jesus has been at work in your life and how he's kept you and helped you through some very difficult situations. So thank you very much. Well, Tim and Liz are now going to lead us in this morning's song, so please do join in with them. The word will appear on the screen. Over to you, Tim and Liz. Praise 
Today's reading is from Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. So, if you have been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bear with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, 
and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's great to be with you. When I was a parish priest, one of the things that I most enjoyed was taking weddings. I have some wonderful memories of some of the weddings that I took, including that of our own son and daughter to their respective spouses. Those weddings took place 10 years ago and they occupy a wonderful place in Karen and my memory. During the wedding service, one of the things that we clergy ask the couple goes like this. Will you love, comfort, honour and protect the person that you are about to marry for as long as you both shall live? To which the person replies, I will. Will you love this person? I will. A public declaration of a choice that has been made to love someone until the end of their life. It's a strange thing, if you think about it, to promise to love. Surely love is an emotion. It makes us feel giddy and great. But in the New Testament, there's a word for love which implies that love is a choice more than an emotion. You see, in Greek, the language of the New Testament, there were different words for different sorts of love. We just have one word, love, and it covers them all. But in Greek, there was a word for the love of husband for wife, a different one for the love of parent for child, another one for the love of friend for friend. And then there's a word which is a choosing word, and it's the word that is occurs throughout the whole of the New Testament. It's the word agape. And agape is a choosing sort of love. Because what agape means is this. I choose to love you, even though there's a cost and a consequence for me. It's the word that would be used, for example, of a soldier in a battle who lays down his own sword and shield to help his friend, making himself vulnerable, potentially putting himself at great risk. That is agape love. I choose to put your needs before mine. I choose to love you without thought of cost or consequence. And in the New Testament, that's the word agape that is at the heart of probably the most famous verse in the whole of the New Testament part of the Bible. God so agapated the world that he sent Jesus Christ to be our saviour. God so chose for me, God so chose for you, to demonstrate his love that the cost and the consequence of that was the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Love is a choice, not just an emotion, so the Bible tells us. Now, in the passage that we have before us today, Paul is writing about a choice 
to demonstrate love. In the letter so far, what he's been telling us is that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die and to rise again for us so that we can be reconciled to him, restored in our relationship with him. And God did that out of love and out of grace, not because we deserved it, but because God chose to do it. Because God is a loving God who overwhelms his creation with the love that he has for it. God loves us so much that Jesus came. And having loved us, when we put our faith in that love, Paul says that we receive an inheritance that is promised for us, one set aside, using words of St. Peter, that can never perish, spoil or fade. We are guaranteed a place at the great feast of the Lamb. There's a seat at the wedding feast when all the great consummation that God promises of all things happens. There's a wedding seat with our name on it at the table. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's what God has done for us. That's what God has chosen to do for us. Since God has done all of this, you now have a choice to make as well. Therefore, you set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. If God has made a choice for me, if God has made a choice for you, if God has chosen to bear the cost and the consequence of that in sending Jesus to us, if God has given us a place at the great banquet table of the Lamb, so now we have a choice to make, a choice to think like God wants us to think and to act like God wants us to act. Therefore, set your minds and your hearts on things above. For you died, your life is now in Christ. And when Christ comes, then you will also be with him. So choose to live for him. It's like Paul is saying that we've moved house, that this earth, wonderful as it is, and with all the many, many blessings that it has for us, this isn't now our home anymore. Our home is in heaven. And therefore we should act as if we're living in our new home, not as if we're living in our old home anymore. We've moved house and we've got a new address and therefore we're called to live out of that new location. And all the Bible reading that's been read for us this morning, in a sense, explains that to us. Paul uses some quite strong language. Given the fact that you are now in Jesus, given the fact that you've moved house, given the fact that heaven is now your home, given the fact that you've got a seat at the wedding table of the Lamb, put to death 
all of the old stuff and put on the new stuff that reflects the location of your home now. So put to death all the stuff that brings about the wrath of God, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires and greed, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language. Put all of those things to death. Choose to demonstrate your love for God by the way that you live. And put on the sort of stuff that now goes with your new home. Gentleness, compassion, kindness, humility, patience, all the qualities of Jesus himself. You are to live like that because your heart, your mind now belong to a new place, to a new location where Jesus is in heaven, where he waits for you and has a seat at his table set aside for you. Choose to act like that. Choose to show your agape for God by the choices that you make, says Paul, as God chose to show his agape for you by the choice that he made in sending Jesus. And if we do that, then we'll find that three things will happen. Look at verse 15. The peace of Christ will rule in our hearts because we're living in God's way, in God's place, and guilt will disappear. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We'll be feeding on God. We'll be wanting to do that. We'll be wanting to find out more about him because the more we live with someone, the more we'll get to know them. Through the Bible, through the word of God dwelling in us, so we will be changed. And we'll be thankful in verse 17. We'll have a new attitude that goes with our new home because we will be where God is. We will know all of what God has done for us. And that will be something that we want to convey with our lips and with our hearts. We will have praise and thanksgiving as a part of who we are. Now, our salvation is secure, not because of what we've done. It's not as if we can live differently and earn God's pleasure. That's not what Paul is saying. But what he is saying is that because God has loved us, we should love him. So my challenge for you at the end of this reflection is twofold. If you don't yet know Jesus, then could I encourage you to reflect upon the love that God has shown for you in him. He has given you everything to win you back as a dearly loved son or a dearly loved daughter. God wants you to have that place at his table and all you have to do is to say yes. If you want to know more, contact Ian, contact Matt, any of us at St Anne's, we will help you find that for yourself. And secondly, if you know that, then choose wisely. At the end of Joshua, just before he died, Joshua said this, for me and for my house, the choice that we will make is to live for and serve the Lord. I pray that you will make that choice too, so that you know the peace, the richness of the word of God, 
and the thankfulness that comes from that in your lives too. Let's just pray. God, our Father, bless this word to us. Help us to understand it and help us by your spirit to embrace it and to live it. Amen. Good morning. It's great to be together. And this morning we're going to lead our prayer time. And we're going to use our hands uh, to help us pray as a sort of visual symbol to remind us of, of a few things. When we hold our hands out before us, our thumbs are always closest to our body. And so that reminds us to pray for those who are closest to us. So we thank you, Lord, for our families and our friends. We thank you that we can have fun and good times with them. But we also thank you that they can be there for us when things aren't so good. We are sorry that sometimes we don't always treat our family and friends as you would like us to. Please help us to always be a good friend to others. Our index finger is used to often point and to give directions. And it reminds us of people who give us directions and guidance in our life. Lord, we thank you for the people here in our church that help us to learn more about you. We thank you for the leaders of the different youth and children's groups. We thank you for the leaders of all the house groups. We also thank you for the people who guide us in other ways, the leaders of our uniformed organisations, or our teachers and lecturers and people who train us in our different workplaces. We pray that you will always place people alongside us who can offer wisdom and guidance where we need it. Our middle finger is the tallest and it's bigger than all the rest. And it reminds us that there are some people who have huge, big responsibilities and it's important for us to pray for them as they make big decisions. We thank you, Jesus, for the leaders of the church, for the Queen and Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Help them to listen to you and to try to always do things the way you would like them to be done. We also pray for the leaders of our government at this very difficult time. We pray that you will give them wisdom and guidance on dealing with coronavirus and the lockdown situation. Our ring finger is the weakest finger on our hand. And it reminds us that sometimes people can feel very weak and helpless. We think now of all those people who we know who are feeling unwell or who may be just bit down in the dumps or lonely. We also remember all those people who have lost a loved one. We ask that you will surround them. Lord Jesus, help all those people that we have been thinking about to have the peace that you can only give. And our last and smallest finger is for ourselves. Jesus always encouraged us to be thinking about others before ourselves. Dear Lord, thank you for loving each of us. Please help us to always try and live a life that would be happy about. Help us to always try our best in what we do. Please stay close to each one of us this week and help us know that you are with us all the time. And we thank you, Jesus, for listening to our prayers. And we're going to finish our prayers as I lead us in the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Hello again. Thank you to everyone who has been involved in this week's service. Val, Tim and Liz, Janet, Gary, Ian, and of course Naomi too. If you're watching this live or almost live, do join us now on Zoom for a quick catch up. The ID and password will appear on this screen. But before that, a final prayer for us all. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. See you soon.